zero. It said counting software. Little things that do make it great though. Zero's bank breaks yes. are different. So the, the biggest thing with zero is you can't journal cash. That's the plague of accountancy. If you can't- the plague of accountancy. Doing a journal entry means you're not fixing the problem. You're creating a problem down the road. I'd never like journal entry cast in QuickBooks. I grew up in a house that banned QuickBooks. I thought you were gonna say made of a GL, like a GL yeah. house. Everything you did, you had a oh, associated I like where that's entry. Going. I like so when you took a right is. step, there was a left step too. Ooh, so everything When you opened we do, one door, one door closed. Yes, so that's a that's a good metaphor to drive away with zero. Like if you make a decision in zero, it does have to have an equal. Like every um, reaction has an equal reaction. What's the what's the phrase there? You well, should do one of GL. Newton's laws of physics, but Newton's law of zero yeah. is that you can't just make shit up like you can in QuickBooks. Stuff it in equity. Stuff yeah. it in retained earnings. And I find um, it a lot easier to fix, like at the end of the year when your clients give you stuff. There's controls in place. So the controls in place, I think, are forcing mechanisms. Creatives say that creative controls make for a better outcome, a better result. I think that's that's also what zero is. If you have the controls in place, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be hard in the beginning. but. The end result is going to be beautiful. And right now, they they offer free conversions from other accounting platforms. Yes, that's that's the best thing too. Is like they make it easy to convert from QuickBooks Online or QuickBooks Desktop or Sage. You use JetConvert; it's free and it works. Free JetConvert. Go to zero.com. Go to zero.com. Check them out. I love it. People love honesty in their lives. Yes. They don't care if you're this side or that side, or you stand for something or not stand for something they care that you're honest with yourself and with them yeah. and i think your, your book speaks to that and what you're trying to do is allow the honesty of the individuals within an organization to be a part of that organization to become part of it and have it be part of that organization's story yeah no exactly man you should have been the guest zachary why am i on he, here he is you should have just talked always to the him. guest hello and welcome we are all the sons of cpas join us as we question the current state of the accounting and tax industry with the next generation of professionals leading this space. We are all the change agents in an industry fraught with money and inertia. Let's begin the Sons of CPAs with your hosts today, Zachary Call and Scott Scarena. Very special guest, industry adjacent guest, John Garrett, former CPA, recovering. Zachary's been on quite a few industry adjacent episodes and so Zachary's my co-host today. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having me on Scott. I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I, I don't have rapid fire questions like you do. Like that I I wish I did. I like that aspect of your podcast. No, cuz now we're just starting. It's like here it is. All right, let's get to it. Just diving in. Yeah. So so let's give the listeners a little bit of context of who you are, John and why Scott chose you to be on the pod today. You are self-titled as a corporate culture catalyst. You have a book called What's Your And, and your website is whatsyourand.com. Can you tell the listeners what what you're about and what makes and you in this what's edition? your and? 
And what's my and? Yeah, totally. I can definitely do that. Yeah. So uh, I went, I graduated from Notre Dame and went to PricewaterhouseCoopers. I was there for several years, went to industry there for several years, and then left that to do stand-up comedy full-time. So then I moved to New York City, wrote two Emmy-nominated award shows, had some pretty cool, the Borgata in Atlantic City with Louis Anderson, you know, Caroline's in New York City, Laugh Factory in LA, all over the country. And my comedy album is still on Pandora and Sirius, which is kind of neat. And um, had some near misses in comedy and then decided to marry those two lives together, the corporate John and the comedian John, and uh, was mostly keynote speaking at conferences. And then I had a guy remember me at a conference. I was getting mic'd up in front of about 900 people. I was backstage and the meeting professional comes up and says, hey, do you know this guy named Mark? And I was like, no, I've never heard that name in my life. And she goes, well, he knows you. He saw all the list of speakers and right away says, I know John Garrett. That's the guy who did comedy at night. And I'm like, who the hell is this rain man? Like, do I owe him 50 bucks? Like, why does he remember my name? Like, what's going on? And so I'm on stage delivering this keynote in front of 900 plus people. And then I, I'm, but their B-roll in my head is like, who is Mark? Like, and so I get off stage, look on LinkedIn. He was in my first PwC office 12 years before that was when I had left the St. Louis office. 12 years before that. I'm on a short list of people that he recalls, and it's for comedy at night. It's not being on the largest financial services client that PwC had. It's not being one of the first in my star class promoted. It's not passing the CPA exam. It's not the number of hours I worked in a year. It's none of those things. It's a hobby that I had outside of work. So I was like, well, do people have hobbies, or am I just the only guy that had a thing? And uh, no, come to find out, it's like 92 plus percent of us that do. So. That's why I started. The other 8% don't have any hobbies at all. They just kind of live and I think they're in tax. I think they are. (laughs) Like, I'm not lying. Like, I don't know. And and that's the thing about Mark. Like, he was in the tax department. I never worked with him. I never met him. I never even went to that floor. And yet he remembered me. And and I think we all work really hard at what we do and uh, a lot of hours. And we deserve to be remembered. And uh, and it's not going to be for the work. So that's what I do now is is helping organizations to build a culture around people's ands, those outside of work hobbies and passions and interests that that you have. And it really unlocks unlocks the person within the professional. That's the subtitle of the book, too. But, yeah, so it's just bringing human to work. It's tapping into who you really are. You know, yeah, I think a lot of people try to find ways to define who they are. And, and sometimes work can define that, you know, if they're able to finesse it yeah, and, and able to thread that needle. But sometimes it's not. Right. And it's where are your interests, right? And exactly. I, I, I exactly. love that. That's it, it kind of hit that's your lightning in a bottle, too. That was like, OK, well, there's got to be something there. That's cool. When, when did this concept distill upon your mind to write a book? on this and to have your services surround this theory? It it started, well, at that conference was when I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then I just started asking people like, hey, do you have a hobby or something outside of work? And then people are like, yeah, I do, but like it's on the down low or don't tell anybody or, you know, and I'm like, well, how about we just blow the doors off and make a podcast about it? (laughs) Like how about we quit keeping it a secret because if 92% of us has something, then that's a thing. And so then I, I spoke at a, a ton of conferences. I mean, in 2018 and 19 alone, I had over 10,000 people in the audiences from conferences I spoke at. And oftentimes people would come up and say, hey, do you have a book? Because I'd love to tell my boss about this or the rest of my team about this. And I'm sure I'm going to mess it all up. So do you have a book? And so people kept asking. And 
And I was like, who writes books? Like old people with tweed coats and elbow patches, like not me. And so, but enough people asked and I was like, all right, I guess I'll write. And it took two years from when I sat down with a content editor through to writing it through to publish. Yeah. And I'm really proud of how it turned out. And then coach Lou Holtz wrote the forward, which I was pretty jazzed about as a Notre Dame alum. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's gotten really great feedback and it's, it, I wrote it for people that, that don't like to read. Uh, so there's a lot of pictures in there. There's a lot, a lot of, of charts, pictures, a lot of, a lot of blank pages. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of white space. It's a lot of micro chapters. You know, you don't turn the page and there's a wall of text uh, coming at you with, you know, a 30 page chapter. It's like, you know what? I got two pages in me. Yeah, let's do this, you know, type of thing. And uh, and I, the greatest compliment I got was from somebody in their like mid 20s. And they're like, I can't remember the last book I finished. And I just accidentally read yours. And I'm like, <laughs> accidentally read your book. That's the tagline there. That, I love it because that's, I mean, if I'm going to say take two years putting this thing together, you better be damn straight. You're going to finish it. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? I don't want you just kind of plowing through the first chapter and then leaving the bookmark in there for five years. Yeah. So many books on my bookshelf like that right now. So yeah. many. Or you you got to know when to quit a book too. Like take the bookmark out. I don't know that. I don't know at that point. Like I'll right. start a new one right. and I know I'm going to finish this one at some point and I got books all over my house. Yeah. And so it's cool. It's cool to just throw it out there in the world. It's also different than when I'm speaking because when you speak a lot, you can, I could tweak it in the moment because the audience is right there and I can tell. Uh, but when I'm, when you're reading the book, I'm not sitting over your shoulder, Zachary. And like, oh, well, if you didn't like that chapter, you might want to skip the next two. Um, or this is what I really meant. And so you really got to be careful when you write a book as far as like, you know, what the tone is and all that. So luckily having the team with the publisher and everything really, really helped that. But this seems like a, a book that is, could strike a, a larger chord now that we have this whole great resignation and people redefining who they are as people and their next take on life or their next take on what they want to do with their life. And totally. if you had that in mind as you were writing it, or if it just became a product of it. When did the book come out? It came out September, 2020. You said you worked on it for two years. So obviously you started working on it before COVID. Yeah. I turned the manuscript into my publisher pre COVID and then wow. COVID happened. And I was like, ah, like, my book's going to be obsolete around before two? we even print. Like, <laughs> right? It's obsolete before we even hit print. Like, what the heck? And so then, uh, but actually what happened is the book became more important and the what's your end message became more important. Because if the culture of your firm or your organization is around passing each other in the hallway and saying, how you doing? Fine, fine, okay. And then whatever shallow surface level water cooler banter there is, then when we all went to work remote, you suddenly have zero culture. But if yeah. your culture is based off of what happens outside the office, people's ands outside of work, then your culture sustains when you work remote. And so it's just, but how do we bring that in? Work how are stronger. we stronger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we've been in each other's homes now. With, with working remotely, I mean, we've seen people's dogs and cats walk across the screen. We've seen their kids screaming because they can't log in for homeschool. We've seen the <laughs> painting on the wall. We've seen the knickknack. Yeah. And so now that we're going back to offices, like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Don't try and put it back. Like ask people about their dog and their cat. Ask people about that painting that they got in Europe and when are they going back or whatever. Ask people about that stuff because yeah. they care. Yeah. So – 
Do you have a follow-up in mind to this book? Or did you think, oh my God, am I going to have to keep doing this? Um, It's a journey, man. Writing a book is not easy. And uh, it's a journey, that's for sure. And it's it's a real gut check and a soul searching. um, And you're throwing yourself out there, you know? And so, I don't know. I think the next level could be a little more, because this is more for individuals, but mm-hmm. it can it can apply to everyone. Uh, maybe the next book would be whether it's find your and because a lot of people are struggling with that. I'm mm-hmm. hearing, or it's an organizational kind of a book where it's here's the organizations I've worked with and what we've done and how we've applied this to the lifetime value of an employee and how do we you know do that and increase that and and things things along those lines. Like how do we use this recruiting and onboarding and in the employee experience and even offboarding? Like how do we create a culture that that people want to come and work for and stay. Simon Sinek, find your why. I, I thought of that about when I first saw what your and I said, okay, and and why? Like why and you know they, they kind of you know they're parallels. Is, they are they're parallels. actually parallels. They're, they're different. different. Yeah, yeah. They're different lanes. And I appreciate you recognizing that. Um they're definitely different. I feel like why is a a deeper soul search like you know when people ask your why that's why people just say family because it's just super easy to say and uh and but but there's a deeper deeper deep deep to that your and is what do you love to do like what lights you up and the beauty of that is you could always add more and more to oh yeah like oh yeah my and is this and one like you can have several it can change and Um, yeah that's that's what i was gonna say is my ands change over time totally like sometimes you're into mountain biking and then the next year you're into golf and yeah definitely whatever else and 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 amen man because like you it it, as long as there's something your and and your why can intersect they may not be parallel defines as they never touch each other but i think the and and the why could get closer to maybe there's a there's an asymptote at some they, point, at they some become point. so, 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 so close. Yeah. They don't touch, but they're so close. Or they like, converge and they become stronger in your and, and A high school math teacher is smiling wide. Um, but <laughs> who drops asymptote during a accounting podcast? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to have to look that one up. And that, that is probably going to work its way into the title of this episode somehow. <laughs> Definitely will. Um, That's awesome. So, John, what is your and right now? Uh, college football, hands down. Going to concerts. I love going to concerts. Music. Travel is also going to be on there. And then ice cream. Ice cream is uh, super fantastic. Okay, uh, I, I wrote down an ice cream question, and that is okay. what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Yeah, so that's probably going to be like a, a chocolate chip cookie dough or like a brownie fudge chunk or something where there's chunks in the, like I want the maximum number of calories per spoonful going into my face. So like I just want chunks and chew it and like yeah. So this is a Ben's and is Jerry and it sounds like you've got a lot of Ben and Jerry in there <laughs> like these the chunks and everything like the one sweet yeah. world flavor. That's that's a good one. There's a concert in a in an ice cream cup, right? The one sweet right? world that they've met. Exactly. Band, that's um, all of yeah. the things coming together. And then if I eat that while I'm watching a college football game, Bam. the end of the world could happen and I would be on it like cloud nine. Like that this is, is amazing. Your, that is your ampersand or wait, what's the and symbol called? That's yeah, the ampersand. That's yeah. the that's your ampersand right there. Bam. This whole episode's brought to you by the letter A. Like just all of it. <laughs> brought to you by the word and. 
and an ampersand and asymptote. So I know I, I, I love the alliteration. Another, <laughs> uh, we can do this all day. Yeah. Uh, I think um, that's the end. <laughs> that's the end or the end. The end. Yeah. E-N-D. The comedy. You've retired. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't do comedy clubs anymore. I haven't even been to a comedy club in five years or six years, maybe. So I'm going to challenge that and say, was that really your passion? Because I hear of a lot of stand-ups that could never put it down. They never can put the mic down, and they always go back to doing stand-up regardless. Yeah, but in the same way that Zachary has hands that change. When I was a CPA... Comedy was definitely an and, and it was a way that that I stood out and I was different and unique. I thought that standing out meant work the most billable hours or be the first promoted in my start class or be on the largest financial services client. And eh, not really, <laughs> apparently. And so like doing comedy was definitely a passion of mine. I mean, I actually took it to the point where I went full time for years, uh, almost 10. So when you when that becomes your your full time then you have to have other outside of work things. So it actually became, it, it went from my end to my full time. So, uh, you know, like, so in why? that sense, it left a long time ago. The question was, why in the hell am I doing this? Um, that's really the why. Because comedy's comedy's like a trade. It's, it's like learning how to weld. Or if you had to sit in uh, accounting class for every day, you know, but at some point you need to leave trade school and go monetize it. And so I've, you know, you can write for a sitcom, you can star in a sitcom, you can be on Broadway, you can act, you can, you know, all kinds of things. And I've chosen to use the trade through speaking. Yeah. You got to be engaging and you got to have some levity. And, you know, most of the, you know, we, we, as an audience want to always be entertained regardless. I think, I, I think the oh, best yeah. CPE that we sit through is always the entertaining ones. You know, and Zachary speaks as well. Zachary's and let's talk about that. What's your and? I I don't know what you're referring. I mean, I think you're referring to my church service, which I, I am super super active in my in my church, and it's awesome. To, yeah, to speak and to do different things like that, and that is a that is a big and for me in my life, and uh, something I enjoy doing. But I I am curious a little bit, like. You go from CP, CPA life to something entirely different. So what are the things uh, in your CPA life that you miss? And what are the things that you're so glad you're through with? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a great question that I've never gotten asked. Yeah. And, and here's the cool thing is that a lot of times the parts of our lives spill over into other parts. So, you know, your and and the expertise that you get from your and spills over into your work in the same way that your work spills over into those in, in cool ways. And so, like, for me, having the accounting background doing comedy was great because I had a spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet of every show I've done and everyone I've done comedy with. Like, I can look up. I mean, you know, Daniel Tosh, what comedy club it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like Gary Valentine, you know, Louis Anderson, like, you know, all those like when I met Seinfeld, when I met Leno, like all these I have all that. I have a, a giant spreadsheet. I have a career earnings column, which is super depressing. And um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, it's just I have all of that in a, in a giant spreadsheet. Plus, when it came to tax time, do you have the like, time spent to somewhere in that spreadsheet, like the time you were on stage? 
no, tracking but your I, time. But I've been on stage over 2,000 times. So, wow. I mean, that's yeah. a lot. So, I mean, times, you know, let's say at least 30 minutes each. So that's 1,000 hours um, or more. So, you know, that's like, yeah, a lot. Well, yeah. I, right? We're going to need our calculators to do that one. A lot of time. You know, that, that being said, so I'd always get asked, you know, tax questions. And I'm one of those CPAs that has no clue how taxes work. And so comedians are always asking how they can, you know, hey, we got 50, we got paid in cash, 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Like, do I have to claim this on it? And I'm like, well, how about you just fill your gas up on the way home and give the cash to the gas station? And then, uh, I don't know. It I don't think exist. it happened. Like, you know, but I was just like, but I'm not a tax guy. Like, I don't, what, what do you think? I, what are that? I mean, what the hell do I think? You know, like I was like, whatever. So, yeah. So, I mean, that being said, it's still a business and I was running a business and I still am today, you know, running a business. And so from that sense, I, I know how to look at the financials and all that stuff. But from the other sense, I'm not such an accountant where I don't know how to run a business because there are a lot of accountants oh. that are really good at accounting and not very good at all at running a business um or and, or creating culture by the way oh so yeah i feel like we uh, like my myself at our firm i'm yeah. not very good at and yeah. so uh you know your your whole book and your whole idea is really interesting to me because i would like a better culture i would like there to be a culture yeah uh, right that's yeah amen because it's it's like I would like to at least have something, um, you yeah. know, and, and this is a great way to just start, you know, just ask people, Hey, what's your end? You know, here's a copy of the book, read it, parts of it, whatever. Here's the idea. Uh, here's my end. What's yours. And that reciprocity needs to happen. And then that's where, you know, and then I work with firms and, and organizations of, you know, how do we bake this in? So it's a daily, uh, you know, or a weekly thing that, that this is how we are. It's, it's our default mode. It's people over clients all day, every day. And if you get the right people and you have people, then the clients will come. If you side with the clients, eventually all the people are going to leave and then you're going to have no one to do the work for the clients. So, uh, you know, what, what hurts more having a manager or a senior manager leave or a client leave. And on, I mean, every day it'll be having that, having a, your person leave because you can get another client, but whew, to get somebody to work for you, especially now, that's pulling teeth. That's impossible. I'm it's so impossible. glad you said that. This is the theme in the episode we just had. I just recorded earlier was people as that one of the largest and, and strongest pillars of our firms, I think, has to be the focus. It's not just tech. It's not just the oh, clients. No. You know, it's got to be people first. The, the number one indicator of your success is your people. I mean, that's, that's the number one thing that's going to drive the success of your organization or your people. And yet that's the last thing that you invest in. And then it's like, ah, you know, like just care about, care about your, that's the number one driver. There's nothing else more important than the, your people to the success of your organization. Nothing. I mean, the tech, what, what your office looks like, what your benefits are, there's nothing else more important. If you have the right people, you can have floppy disks and still knock it out you mm -hmm. know it's your people if you're gonna have to side with you know a client that treats your people like crap or gets things inlaid or just treats your firm like garbage side with your people because people see that they see how you treat you know them and and you know what their priority is and so it matters there's another yeah. layer of that too still have to have culture 
there still has to be an element of uh, why am I here? You know, what's what's the purpose of this? And yeah, I and think, genuinely uh, care. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's the thing is like, well, I have this checklist that I have to talk to three people a week. So how you doing? OK, great. Next. How you do? OK, so I talked to three people. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's not genuinely caring. You know, it's just just getting a little bit below surface level of, you know, hey, what lights you up? And if you find out what lights someone up, sometimes it's work and sometimes it's not work. But when you're talking about your your faith in church or mountain biking or golf or Carolina Tar Heels basketball, like your eyes get big, you're animated, you're like on fire every every time, every time. Like and, and it's always awesome. And, and so if you can bring that emotion into work, then that's where the magic is. So you get people bringing that emotion and that energy and that enthusiasm into the office, talking about it, and then harnessing that momentum to then go forward and do their work. And, and it brings emotion into the workplace. People start to care about each other. You know, people start to, you know, there's that rivalry. You know, it's, it's there's, God forbid, if there's some Duke fan that you run into, it's like, ooh, what's wrong with you? But like, oh. you know, like it's just, but then, but then at least there's that rivalry and you have that, that, you know, that banter back. That becomes a bond too. Like I got employees right. that are Duke no, that's fans what I'm saying. and employees that's what I'm that are saying. Carolina fans. So that's, it's always been a fun, you know, it's always a, a fun time. So, oh, for sure. You know, like, yeah, good. we have, we have two rivalry schools here in Utah, BYU and University of Utah. Oh, yeah. And right. we get sometimes we'll have staff that that are hardcore on one side and hardcore on the other side. Yep. And although yep. they, you know, they're they're enemies, it's also like a bond that they share and they love right. bantering. And it's exactly it becomes a little bit of culture, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. That, that exactly. But if but if but if the workplace frowns upon or shuns anyone from doing that, then you don't even know. You have no idea. And, and then, you, you know, we, we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not, I mean, I, I, the research that I've done, people say things like, well, we don't get paid to socialize or there isn't a charge code to get to know each other. And I'm like, well, maybe there should be because that's stupid that you're waiting for a charge code as permission to, to, to talk as two humans, you know, like, why don't we do that on the regular? I mean, it's it's uh, it's crazy. So so instead, I feel like we're so permission based that we have to provide that structure to people to say, you know what? I mean, how come show and tell only happens in preschool and kindergarten? We're adults now with adult money and adult toys. I want show and tell now. Like, let's show off some cool stuff. You know, like, t tell me about it. Take three or five minutes, you know, at the at the all staff meeting. You know, a different person each month or each week does every two weeks, whatever. Does a Funny. three to five minute, what's your end? And then let's hear about it. Cool. What happens in organizations when when their and is something controversial, like politics. Well, then, what? so, and that's actually something in the book where right. the definition of uh, professionalism, uh, I feel like professionalism is trying to hold us back um, and what we think is professional. And the definition of professionalism is absolutely hilarious to me in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. It's, it's something to the effect of, of or pertaining to a profession or a professional person or something like that, where they use the word to define the word twice. And I'm like, I didn't know we were allowed to do that. What's been considered professional is a uh, hundred years ago in the national Westminster bank in the UK, you couldn't live in a nicer home or a better neighborhood than your immediate supervisor. That was professional. 
Then you have like the 60s where Mad Men, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, full three-piece suits, all that. And then, and then, you know, eventually we stopped wearing suits altogether. We stopped going to the office altogether, you know I mean? And so what's professional is, is changing. It's always evolving. It's, it's a nebulous thing, but what's unprofessional is very clear. And it's been clear since the beginning of time is if you're inhibiting your ability or someone else's ability to do their work, then that's unprofessional and stop. And so sadly, things that are unprofessional in the last two years, especially politics, you know, I'm sure, you know, anything that's charged like that. And so what you can do instead is lead with something else. And then what, what's what been cool with a lot of these clients is that I've seen where it helps with the DEIA conversations. It helps with employee resource groups. It helps with things like that, where you have two people that are friends that are having a conversation about, you know, some politically charged topic as opposed to two coworkers that are having a conversation, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a nice middle ground to get people to, and then go from there to have these conversations. So, you know, lead with not politics, lead with not uh, whatever you're protesting today or whatever, you know, it's, it's lead with something else. And then, and because if it's something that's going to inhibit your ability or someone else's ability to do their work, then it's off the table, you know? And, and everything's so politically charged nowadays that it's it's sad. I mean, even my book, uh, the forward written by Lou Holtz, who wrote the forward nine months before the book came out. And then uh, he made an appearance at a political convention in a three minute video. And still to this day, I have people say comment on that. He's a college football coach in the College Football Hall of Fame. Everyone knows Lou Holtz is a football coach. He makes a three-minute video, appears at a political convention, and now all of a sudden people are up in arms about it. And I'm like, oh my, uh, like, there's nothing political about my book. There's no, no, no mention of it at all. <laughs> no mention of politics. There's nothing. It's just how it's politically are. adjacent now because somebody took a well, stand somewhere. Everything is. Everything yeah, everything's is adjacent. Different. So yeah. by definition, you said unprofessionalism is inhibiting the ability to work. So then the professionalism on the flip side should be it enhances your ability to work. So what is professionalism? It's enhancing people's ability to work. Nah, it doesn't though. It doesn't. But it, it should be. You. Well, it should professionalism be. Professionalism should be. That's but how it doesn't. It's a teeter-totter though. Take an owner. Yeah. It does. Yeah, it does at first. Well, I, I know what it doesn't do, but that's th yeah. this could be the next generation's definition it of should professionalism. Be. Yeah, it totally should be. Or at your firm. Yeah. Your definition of professionalism on the wall. Enhancing yeah. your ability to work by by default yeah. because it's because yeah. the, the definition doesn't exist pertaining to professional per people. That's not great. But no. uh, by on para on professional is an ability. So flip it. Yeah. No. It, and it's also I mean the parallel to that is also the whole trusted advisor. Like no one cares. Nobody cares that you're a trusted advisor. Like nobody, no, no <laughs> client says to you, oh, well, you didn't have trusted advisor on your business card, so we're not going to go with you. Nobody, no one says trusted advisor outside of the profession. And, and it's like, well, how about you just be a better accountant and then you don't have to change the name. And then like, you become a trusted advisor because yeah. that's how they refer to you. It's like when you're in high I school, know. you try to give yourself a nickname. That doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. I you like have to, they give you the nickname. 
And so, they've, like, they've been talking about trusted advisor for 40 years, right? It's the- crazy. <laughs> Just be a better version of that. Make professionalism cool. Like, make it weird. Make it you. You know, don't try and conform to some stereotype of what you think you're supposed to be. That's stupid. Like, mm. you're the partner. You're the manager. You're the senior associate. Be you. You know, don't try and conform. That's and crazy. I think, I think the root of what that's getting to is that people love honesty in their lives. Yes. They don't care if you're this side or that side or you stand for something or not stand for something. They care that you're honest with yourself and with them. That's the biggest thing. And I think your, your book kind of speaks to that. And you, you, what you're trying to do is allow the honesty of the individuals within an organization to be a part of that organization, to become part of it and have it be part of that organization's story. Yeah, no, exactly, man. You should have been the guest, Zachary. Why am I on here? He is. You should have just talked to him. Like, no, but that's, you're exactly right. And, and if you think about it, like if I took everyone out of your firm today and move them out and I replace them with new people that have the same degrees and the same certifications, uh, and the same training, that's a totally different firm, but the, the tax return gets done the same. The advisory work gets done the same. All the work gets done the same. So your organization is made up of people, but the core of your culture is your people's passions. It's not your people's technical skills. And so we we hire the whole person, and yet we only shine a light on and nurture the technical skills part of them. What is that? Maybe 15% of who you are as a person? The whole other 85% of you, we don't care. It's a learned thing anyway. You you learn how to be like that. Yeah, Yeah, right. It's not not who you are. Because when you're a staff, I'm sure that your ands were, you still had an and, and it maybe was the same and. Like when I was a staff, I loved college football. When I became a senior associate, still loved college football. When I moved to industry, still loved college football. Like when I got promoted, still loved. So the technical skills I was using were always changing. The software I was using was always changing. But the eye of the hurricane, the source of my confidence was my aunt. Well, and it's always let's with back you. up. Did you like college football before you went to Notre Dame? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, which is probably okay. a big piece of why I went there to Notre Dame. There you go. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Because I didn't know if it, it started at the core of college because you said when you were associate. So I don't know. Was that well, high I just meant, I love yeah, I mean, before football. I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so many of these you love high school football in high school. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah. I still love college football when I was in high school. Yeah. And uh, my high school was so small, we didn't even have high school football at the time. Like, so many firms and organizations, you hire people because of their extracurricular activities. And then you never give them time to go do the extracurricular activities. <laughs> well, you don't even want to know what they are. You don't even care. How and about this? Like, ah. So back to the uh, like honesty and authenticity, Zachary, politics by definition also doesn't really fit into that authentic honesty because when you think of a politician, you think of somebody being dishonest. <laughs> like that's they're they're liars, so that can't be your and. It doesn't really, you know, there, well, there's I mean, no, what you, no resonance there. But but I would I would lead with something else besides politics. And oh day. yeah, I, I know. I just oh. when you think of politicians, you think of them being dishonest. So it's, right, uh, and it just creates these these stronger connections and these stronger bonds. Of course, it also goes with your clients as well. In this day an age right now, your people matter and they matter most. We're doing a people advisory ad. Gusto's people advisory trainings are designed to expand your team's skill set and generate. Oh man. Let's talk about people advisory certification. Literally Scott could not go on script (laughs) for one sentence. (laughs) He almost made it. He made it to a comma and we respect that. 
So this is a $349 value that the Sons of CPAs have for you listeners to each get nine CPE credits. It's a no-brainer for firms looking to level up. Sure, payroll's important, but there's so much more to being a modern accountant. Now more than ever, your clients need extra guidance. They need help protecting their business, managing benefits, figuring out where to cut costs, working more efficiently, strengthening relationships with their employees. The list goes on. The list goes on. With Gusto, your firm can not only provide that guidance, but charge for it. As a special for Sons of CPA listeners, Gusto is offering these people advisory courses free for a limited time at gusto.com slash training. That's a $349 worth of training. $349. What could you buy for $349? Okay, what what would you buy if you had $349 right now? What would you buy? Ooh, that's a good question. I would not buy weed. What would I buy for $349? A new pair of Jordans. There you go. So Definitely. You, you can buy yourself a new pair of Jordans. Okay, we have a promo code. It's SONS100. SONS100. S-O-N-S-100. So here's what you got to do. You got to go to gusto.com slash. Is that a forward slash or a backward slash? It's a forward slash. Forward slash training. Gusto.com. I don't you know. You know what it is, people. Yeah, Gusto.com slash training. I, gusto.com slash training. Put in the code SONS100 and you're going to get $349 off. I'm kidding, too. I always say slash. Gusto.com slash training. SONS100. S-O-N-S-100. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to be honest with yourself first before you can bring out honesty in others. And I think that's a, that's a top-down thing. You said earlier, you know, the workplace frowns upon certain things. A lot of times, too, it's it's the lead partner or the lead or the owner or the CEO that kind of dictates the culture and how things happen or how they don't happen and how people right. go through the motions or they really embody things. And that becomes them being honest with themselves about how do you want the company to be and how right. do you want to be? Um, and to our listeners, you know, it kind of starts with you being honest about how you want the company to look. Yeah. Because some people don't care and okay, fine, but don't put on your website that you care about your people and blah, blah, blah. No, you know, you don't, you don't, <laughs> Yeah. you know, so don't at least be honest about it. And, and, you know, and, and, it's, and then start there. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you yeah. need people? Do you want people? Can you do this on your own? If you don't care about the people, why did you need them around you? You know, right. like you should care about the needs of the business too. And yeah. then that's obviously, you know, and the tone positive. at the top is, is definitely important, but there's also the top, it, there's several tops. So like, you know, the managing partner, or the, the CFO or whatever is, is certainly the top top. But if you're a partner over a certain area or even a manager over a certain group, like your yeah. group could be the coolest freaking group in the firm. It doesn't matter. You set the tone for your top, you know? So just because above you is curmudgeonly doesn't mean that you have to have it that way, mm-hmm. you know? And, and And I think that the more that people can be authentic without being unprofessional, the better they're going to be at their jobs and the better the, they're going to be in their careers and the better the firm and the organization is going to benefit. So remember, the, your authenticity, it, 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 it can't inhibit the ability to work or else you're not a good fit anyway, right? When you said the, yeah. uh, if you're authentic, authentic to, the, to the extent that you're professional, but maybe the authenticity has to be aligned with professional too 
Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly kind of within, bit, like, within reason. I mean, you know, if, you know, I love to play the electric guitar and I just want to do that all the time. Well, then that's then. Yeah. And you also can't bring your guitar into the office and jam away on a level 10. But you, you could know? have it on your wall behind oh, yeah. you your Zoom calls. And then it comes up when you're talking to a client. Absolutely. You know? like, Absolutely. That's not unprofessional at all. And if anything, it's going to allow you to be remembered 12 years later like I was. And I think we all deserve that. It's authentic. So let's talk about who you remember then, John. Who are the right? influencers in your life? So I remember there was a, a woman, my last corporate job, that was 2005. Melody loved to ride horses. She was crazy about riding horses. She sat in the cubicle right next to me. Then there was a lady named Kelly, and she used to always go to Florida, visit her parents and rent convertibles. And she was a very funny character. There was another lady, Diane. She had a Harley, and they would go to Sturgis. This is all in the accounting finance department of a huge hospital network. And yeah. uh, and then my manager, Mike Piscarich, he used to, he was grew up in Pittsburgh, loved the Steelers, which is weird because we lived in Indianapolis. There were probably 40 people between the operations and the, you know, accounting finance side. And I don't remember most of the others, sadly. You know? Do you have any stories about people that maybe were role models in this other world or comedy do you have any cool stories about that yeah well i mean you know meeting seinfeld is is pretty pretty cool uh leno is awesome jay leno is like the nicest guy like i've been hung around him several times and every time he makes you feel like you're part of the group and asks you questions but to have somebody like that to bring you into the circle and then ask you a question and be genuinely interested in the answer and then have a follow-up question to your answer is like, wow, that's cool. Okay, somebody cares about me and who I am. And, and that's all we really want in life. A connection. Yeah. yeah. It's just cool to see people that are valued and, and, and people that care, you know? And, and I mean, like, like Mike Muscari, the, the manager that I told you about. So I lived in Indianapolis. I went to high school in St. Louis and the Cardinals were playing in the NLCS. And a friend of mine from high school she calls and says, hey, I have an extra ticket to the game. And it starts in like, it was an afternoon game. So it started in like four hours. And it's like a three hour drive from Indy, 10 a.m. or something. It's like a Wednesday. And I just went over to Mike and I was like, I gotta go, man. I just got a ticket to the NLCS. And he's like, see you tomorrow. No questions asked. He's like, I know you'll get your work done and I don't care. And you, you got a ticket to the NLCS and go. And and it was the greatest thing. Jim Edmonds hit a, a walk-off homer in like the bottom of the 14th or something, which a walk-off home run in baseball is the craziest sporting thing ever because you're sitting there eating nachos and then out of nowhere, holy crap, the game's over. You're just sitting there and then all of a sudden, holy crap, there it is, game. Like, this is crazy. I'll never forget that. Imagine if he, I went to him and he's like, well, we have to do this, this, and this, and you can't go because billable hours, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. He's like, cool, see you tomorrow or whenever. Like, you know, like it's, we're, we're grown adults that are highly educated and paid a lot of money. Why do we treat them like toddlers? Like, why do we treat you like you're five? What were you doing every six minutes last week? Oh my gosh, really? Like, or, you know, or hovering like that. That's why I ended up leaving uh, because the new manager that came in from the outside would hover. He would like do laps around and like look over your shoulder and stuff. Uh, but. And, it, and it's managers like that that really 
they might drive a little bit of short-term gains for the organization, but in the long-term drive, drive things way down because nobody wants to work in a, an environment like that. And and honestly, like I think people over time, they self-select out if they're oh, not yeah. cutting it, right? Like yeah, if you're absolutely. not getting your work done consistently, you just feel awkward and out of place and, and they're yeah. going to end up leaving anyways because they know they're not cutting it, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And and it, it's unfortunate because those short-term gains are in the business side, but on the people side, huge, huge minuses. And and you and you can't quickly fix those. And it's uh it's a shame. And and so, you know, it's just it's just care about your people, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, it really gets down to that. I have a genuine interest in the people around you. And especially if you're in a leadership position, it humanizes you. It makes you, I mean, whether whether you know you have the same and as someone else, that doesn't matter. It's it just humanizes you. And 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 another thing too is you don't have to give yourself the label. Like, I don't want to call myself a runner because my half marathon time is terrible. Okay, I get it. Instead, it's I enjoy. I enjoy ballroom dancing. Am I any good? No. Who cares? I didn't ask for your approval. I enjoy painting. Do my paintings look good? Are they hanging in the gallery? Is anyone buying them? No, but I don't care. I enjoy it. I enjoy I well, nobody's it. nobody's grading you. If you, you identify as a painter and you say you're a painter, you're not saying you're a good painter. You're just saying you're right. a painter. Yeah, but you know? so many and, people are so alpha that we want to be the best at it or the title is only if you're making a living at it. Um, yeah, I think people know. think like that with athlete. You know, they can't ever yeah. call themselves an athlete because that's not what they do. But really, if they just enjoy being out there, doesn't yeah. that make them by definition? It also makes them an athlete and yeah. something else. And another cool byproduct with this too is, is that it helps succession planning because so many organizations, people don't have an and to go retire to. And so what happens is you, you have an and when you're young and then it goes dormant and then it goes full on extinct. And then you're 60 and pull me aside and say, hey, John, I, I'm supposed to retire in two years and I don't know what I'm going to go do. And it's like, Wow. Like, and that's why so many people stay in their chairs until they're 80 and it, because they have nothing to go do. They, they have, they've lost their whole identity has been poured into their work, which research has shown is high anxiety and high depression. It's not good. Well, it some also, of them really relish and love their work and they want to die in their chairs. Like it, I'm sitting in a chair now, but I think I'm, I've defined my and as, as doing this podcast, you know, I, I could do this for right? a while. At least yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah. At least for the moment, Scott's the moment. always got something cooking. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Are you Breaking Bad? Are you a meth dealer now? What I of, used to be. You, I it wasn't meth. I used to sell coke. <laughs> I, I wasn't Walter White, but I did have. Mine was, that was the comedian coming out. It's all good. You're for real. Yeah. So, you have a, you've had a podcast for a while. Tell us about some of the, your the guests that are standouts or or. A guest that you've had on that made an impression on you or made That's you kind so, of so loaded just because I mean I'm five hundred some odd episodes. So there's <laughs> a lot. One in particular, there's several, but one uh Mark Winburn, he does IT control audits firm in in Houston. And he is an amazing singer. He got second place in a citywide competition that Beyonce won, like before she was Beyonce. And he referred to singing as his breathing in happy. And I was like, man, how rich is that? Breathing in happy. 
And I was like, well, what about IT audits? And he's like, yeah, not, not really. Like, I mean, I like them and I'm good at them and, and I like the people I work with, but breathing in happy, what's your breathing in happy? Like, and, and are you breathing in happy and are you letting your people breathe in happy or are you metaphorically suffocating them? You know, what's, what's the breathing in happy? I thought that that was really rich. Um, it's a breathing out mediocre, <laughs> right? Breathing out mediocre, right? Breathing in happy, breathing out. It's, it's a yoga thing. It's a yoga yeah. thing. Who else? Uh, Rebecca Burnick. She had the land speed record for vintage motorcycles on the salt flats in Utah. I mean, like, how cool is that? Like what? <laughs> she races motorcycles still. Like, it's like, what? That's awesome. You know, Matthew Hegum has a, a degree in dance. He parallels the the dance of business and how it is. And, you know, it's, there's a, there's a dance to it. Everyone's got something that's, that's awesome. I mean, Tony Nidian is mountain biking and extreme skiing and surfing, you Did know, you I mean, him uh, on your podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been really? on several times. Yeah. Guide that's him awesome. for a follow-up as well. Or like Roomby uh, Petrozello, she, she's the chair of the New York state society now. But she did karaoke in, in Berlin in front of like thousands of people. And then she's also a big runner. Don Brolin. Don Brolin. A lot of people know her in the accounting Don space. Don is scheduled space. to be on. She yeah. She, definitely. She I was on her podcast. Yeah, recently. The, her uh, senior year of college, they won the national championship of softball. Funny. But, we had somebody on that that won a national championship with Michigan. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Lorelin. Um, um, we had Lorelin Wilson. Lorelin. Uh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. She's awesome. Ben Westbrook. He has a, a degree in opera, like he's classically trained opera singer and he's the operations. He works in operations for a huge firm in New York City now. Uh, he actually, I, I think this is so cool. You're hanging on his wall, like ra just rattling so many people, people off and you know what they've done. And like, I don't know what their jobs are. To be I honest. know, but you know what they've done. All of the exactly. stuff that you're rattling off is is there. Is their spark, right? Is there hand? Hand, yeah. Obviously, yeah. I, I don't need to use any other metaphors. Or, or, or That's my next book. What's your spark? There you and then go. It'll be the exact same. Book and then there'll be a spark covers. notes for it. <laughs> what's your spark? And then and then spark notes for what's your spark? It'll be the same book. It's just red and orange instead of my blue and and yellow. <laughs> like it'll be oh, we could talk about branding all day. I love the color yeah. discussion. It'll be that, like and then. This. And then it'll be funny where people are like, I like this one so much better than the last one. It's the same book. <laughs> I love it. That's, I'll get well, Bobby Bowden to do the forward instead. Oh, no, he passed away. Never mind. So, <laughs> all right. Can't be him. But, you don't uh, want anybody. Yeah, you don't want anybody that's been adjacent to politics, obviously. Right? Totally. <laughs> Got to be careful about what they're going to say, too. Not just what they've said. No, no. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, man. But tons of cool people that are out there. And then, you know, and then there's also, I mean, just like some people that uh, make kombucha. Anybody, if they have a spark and if they have something that they're, like you said, they're lit up about, they could talk about it all day and they have stories and, and it's just like, it's engaging. Well, and it, just imagine that at work, though. Imagine that with your coworkers and imagine that with your clients every day. Like all the time, you know, like it, it should be like that at work. There's no reason why it's only on a podcast that I do. And there's, there's times where you got to knuckle down and just get work done and hammer it out. But then there's the five minutes in between, like, Hey, I know you went to the game last week. How was it? Oh, let me tell you, you know? And it's like, it's a big deal. It matters. People love that stuff. John, do you have any big goals or things that you're aiming for in the next five years? What's something that you like oh. a mark that you want to hit personally in yeah. the next five years? Well, I mean, I'd love for 
Well, in five years, I mean, I'd love for the book to have a thousand reviews on Amazon. That would be pretty awesome. I mean, that's okay. kind of a benchmark. And that might be less than five years. How many does it have now? Yeah, we're over, just at 200. This message is our message, all of our message. But I would love to just have the same way that find your why, you know, with cynic is such a common phrase that I would love what's your end to be that common. Make it just part of the vernacular that we're all the new normal that we all keep referring oh, to <laughs> that would be the new normal you're lucky this isn't in person scott because i might have slugged you <laughs> like i might have well no no i'm making fun of it you know I'm, i know I'm no i know exactly i know no i know you are tongue-in-cheek exactly so what's your favorite book john my favorite book is um what's your hand the art <laughs> of war no, no, oh. just kidding. It's not that. It's the flip of that. It's The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It's The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. That's my favorite book. It's a lot more for creatives, but uh, I feel it applies to everyone. What's it's your awesome. favorite movie? Dumb and Dumber, Rudy. We have our rapid fire questions at the end of this pod. That's what we're rattling off. What's your favorite comedy sketch? Oh, wow. Kids in the Hall, there's In Living Color, there's Saturday Night Live, there's... Mr. Show with Bob and David. Mr. Show with Bob and David, awesome. The Chris Farley motivational speaker, you know, Matt Foley living in a van down by the river. I mean, that's just so funny. And it's so funny because everyone else in the sketch always cracks. And, and, And I mean, that was just, that was the prime, you know. That's seeing authenticity. I like that. Like you see that on live TV, you see how authentic people can yeah, be or how they can right. both. Yeah. I mean, that would probably be my favorite sketch. Yeah. So probably. I used to like Jimmy Fallon's ones because he could never keep it straight. With Horatio any point. Yeah, they would always, yeah. yeah the two always of them. Yeah, totally. Do you have a tax CPA that you work with? You know, I don't anymore. Well, I mean, I probably need to get a new one because some things have happened in the last year that I need to probably. So when you. When you had one, what was your favorite thing about him or her? My favorite thing about them was that I guess they understood what I did for a job. So, because what I do is definitely unique and different to a degree. So uh, you, you like having someone who, who understands what your particular business is and can relate to you and talk to you a little bit about that industry. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I know enough to know the words and the terminology and where, like, I I get it. So I'm not starting from zero. So I'm sure, but, but so maybe there's like a next level that they can go with me. That's great. Cause then it's like, okay, like we don't have to do the basics. Like speaking of zero, what do you do? Do you do your books? Do you do your books on a spreadsheet or or QuickBooks or zero? Uh, So I happen to use QuickBooks online but that's because zero when I started didn't have an Android app. I'm lazy like that. So I don't know if they do now. Well, you've already <laughs> revealed your answer to the next question, iOS or Android. <laughs> that's that's one of my interview questions. Android all day, all day. Like I, I don't, I'm not cool enough to go into an Apple store, man. Like they kick me out. They're like, sir, are you lost? And I'm like, am I supposed to wear all white in this store? Is this like a Diddy party? Like, are we at like a, like some kind of like, <laughs> I'm just not cool enough to go to an Apple store. I had to park outside the Apple store and be uncool to be cool enough to get in. I waited wow. outside at night oh, to wow. get out in the day. Just wow. I felt like a homeless person trying to get in the store. To know? buy a phone that's. 
thousand dollars plus whatever exactly i would save my money well, good for you man that's that's your end you're passionate about it that's so. my end i'm gonna own it i'm gonna get tech, an apple tech. tattoo I'm technology yeah to be connected and interconnected the way that apple intended it I don't have to go deep into the iOS version. Yeah, we're, we're getting that. close to politics. Yeah. We could have adjacent. <laughs> we're politic adjacent there are right people, now. There are, it's funny because I feel like the only people that care what phone you have are Apple people. Android people don't care. I don't care what kind of phone you have. Apple people are insecure in in their oh, own choices. Okay. And that's why they want others to be aligned with them. I think I'm very insecure in my choice. I, I, I'm stuck. Right. So I want people to feel like and, and think like me. Isn't that like part of a tribe? Right. Like it, you're you're defined by um, your beliefs. Cult? Cult? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. There you go. Yeah. You know, tribe or cult. It's all good. <laughs> I think it's it's part of the DNA of that ability to. They're divide. amazing at the marketing. That's it's sure. a choice too. like and, and once you've made that choice and you feel like it's not a choice anymore, then then you really want to pull people in. So they may, you know, right. like because uh, misery loves company. Exactly. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for the hate about. tweets to come yeah. flying in now from you don't like Apple. Rah, rah, rah. It's like, uh, oh Lord. <laughs> we love all yeah. phone users here on are <laughs> non-discriminatory with uh, your, Zachary. Your I thought I had you on my side, buddy. It's all good. No judgment here. I have some rapid fire summaries of what you've talked about and what some of my takeaways were from this. All right, Scott, you okay with that? I love it. Yeah. Water cooler talk is not enough. You must go deeper with your team. Your people are far more important than your clients. Harness the energy within everyone and bring it into the ignore organization and allow it to cultivate. People, clients, and staff love honesty. 85% of what makes up a person's life we pretend is not there. I like that one. We remember people by their ands. We do all of these things. We talk about our ands to build connections and to help us feel good about life and experience satisfaction and joy. Don't be a micromanager. We are all grown adults and breathe in happy. Breathe in happy. Wow. We should have started with that. It's on my notepad, but it's just just like scribbles. <laughs> oh, it's. I mean, it's been a pleasure to to talk with you and learn about you. I think you're doing some awesome things, and we wish you the best of luck. We hope our listeners will will buy your book and support you and write a review on Amazon. You need to I want to know when you hit that thousand reviews too. I'm gonna be checking. Well, I feel like it's gonna be the Sons of Anarchy bump. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, the Sons of CPA bump. From all the people that love Sons of Anarchy. Another uh, A word, too. You, you're coming at it hard with the right? A words. Yeah. There's, there's an A word that's right on the tip of my tongue that I should have Amalgamation. Yeah, like, the amalgamation. Oh, that was it. That was it, exactly. <laughs> that came up in a different episode. Yeah. Right? No, you guys are awesome. Thank you Excuse so much my for having me on. Aria brought to you by the letter A. No, thank you, guys. This has been so much Here, fun. I really appreciate it.